to the DC United Post We Hired a Coach show <laughs> presented by Heineken. And uh, look, we, we just got to jump right into it. Uh, DC United have a new head coach. It was officially announced on Monday. And Nano Sada joins DC United from, wait for it, Bearscoat in, in the oh. Belgian League. <laughs> as much as I want to call them beer shot, it's, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm John Lee, joined as always by Sam Caster, Michael Black, and Joshua Morgan. And guys, how are we feeling about Hernan Lozada? So good. I'm going to let you all talk before I go off because I'm feeling so good. I've heard one Leeds comparison. It's like, I'm, I'm sold. Every single Leeds comparison, which he actually disputed a little bit. We'll get into it, but everyone else can give their initial. But yes, as a Leeds fan, I'm thrilled. And everyone else should be too. It's uh, it's the end of the air. It's still still kind of bittersweet if you think about all of a sudden he's just out there doing you know not head coaching things anymore, which is kind of sad. But I think it's a it's a fun ambitious move. All the fans seem to be behind it so far. I'm just glad they finally made the move. Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting something like a hundred days to have a decision here, and you know I think all of us were impressed by what we saw from him this week, and obviously we'll get into some of his. Uh, resume and what we're expecting to see from uh, during the show but i'm just glad that we know who we have and can start building for this coming season whenever it starts from what i've seen too it was a little bit of a shock that he he took the job um i won't try to pronounce the team other than beer shot right but he they um (laughs) i guess i mean he's been doing really well with them right um we heard that i mean you can see that we heard um casper say that yesterday when dc united uh live streamed their press conference but i've seen a lot of the fans are really sad because they were like thinking that he was going to take him to the top of the table and i don't think they really had any indication that he was looking elsewhere um and that was actually the headline of the article mls put up was like Losadas was not looking for another job, right? Like this kind of like came out of nowhere for everyone. I feel, um, which just makes it that much yeah. more fun to talk about. I think. And we didn't get a whole lot of detail from Dave Casper this week on the process that they went through to get Hernan Losada. Like th- this was a guy who was not on most of our radars when the season, when Ben was fired or when the season ended. It kind of just came out of nowhere within about a week or so, and then uh, all of a sudden we've got a new coach. Yeah. Uh, I- Oh, God. Sorry. No, uh, it's one of the things Casper said the whole time is that if he was available when they started this process, you know, that 100 or so days ago, he would have been the guy pretty quickly. Um, And I don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't know exactly what changed within that time. Uh, But it is weird. I I told you guys it's kind of like a parallel kind of go back to what Sam's saying. He's a club legend for those guys. It's a very, very much like Olsen where he played and then immediately, well, a, a little bit more time than Olsen had. But. He did the U23s. He was an assistant, and then he's a coach, and then he got him promoted, uh, and and he was competing with some some big teams in in Europe already with the his his local side. So it it's kind of a shock for them. It's kind of a shock for us because he's not from the the usual sphere of MLS head coaching hires. Yeah, it, it's fascinating to me, and and I I hope you know down the road we have a chance to talk to to him or talk more to to, to Dave or Jason or someone to just kind of understand like what was it that you know where he was not on the radar at the beginning and then he became on the radar and was it you know it, it sounds like you know from reading a couple of the articles that have come out from from both um Goff and, and Pablo Mauer like his agent kind of was in the mix a little bit that said you know hey he's got some interest in potentially going to the U.S. um sounds like he was he attended a Galaxy game a couple of years ago and then 
thinks really highly of MLS, and um, that that actually caught me off guard a little bit. It, it's funny, I I think I found myself becoming a little bit more of a Euro snob over the last couple of years, <laughs> which is weird for for big MLS fans, but. It, it kind of stopped me dead in my tracks when I saw, I read the story of, of Vierskoten and how they, they came up, they started out this season, they, they won away at Bruges, which like nobody does in the Belgian league. And they're, I'm looking at the table right now, they're 10th, right? Three points out of, a, out of a Europa League spot. And it, I'm so interested to, to find out from Lasada, like, what is it that he hopes to accomplish in MLS? Is, is it, is it a, you know, catapult his career even further if he's able to replicate and even better some of the success that he had. Because, I mean, the Europa League is is a big deal. You get to play a lot of really good teams. It's it's not the Champions League, but it's I would argue probably better than the Concacaf Champions League. And yeah. so it's fascinating to me to see a coach who's coming up through the system in Europe, having success, seeing something in in MLS and in DC United. And as a DC United fan, it's outstanding. I'm thrilled. I wonder, because I, I saw a lot of the same thing, and I saw a lot of people were saying that they kind of expected him to um, move somewhere else within Europe. Like, they figured that he would jump to a higher league. Um, but the fact that he's kind of, like, taking this detour to the U.S., it is super fascinating. Um, and I wonder, I hadn't seen that he had, like, come to an MLS game or whatever, but he is still such a young coach too, right? And he seems like a very strategic person who's going to think through all his options. Like, I don't think he did this on a whim or it was just like, I think it'd be cool to live in the U.S. for a little while, right? Like, it was probably so strategic on him. And I think that says a lot about like what MLS is doing potentially in the broader scope of like global soccer. The fact that you can come, that he's coming here and getting this experience. Because in a way, it's a very different coaching experience from what you would say have in the premier league, right? Like obviously there's the talent differential, but when you take into account like the way that you have to build your rosters with the salary caps and the way that you have to manage teams with travel and everything like that, like I think he's really broadening his skill set in a way that he wouldn't be able to do had he remained in Europe. And he's still so young that we can see probably he'll like leave DC United and then go to potentially one of those bigger European teams and he'll have that skill set in his arsenal which just like kind of elevates the entire league right when you talk about trying to recruit even coaching talent that could be a really big thing for the whole league yeah i agree with you sam i think you know as much as i would love to see him come in have success and coach here for the next 10 to 15 years <laughs> i somehow doubt that's going to be what ends up happening at yeah, I think we'll be lucky if we get you know five solid years and a couple of cups. He which said, "Almost." Hey, sign me up, right? <laughs> but you're right. I, I had the same thought of like, and this is such a terrible analogy, but it, it almost feels like like a relationship where like someone cheats and then they leave to go with the new person. Like that's kind of <laughs> oh, what, no. what's going to happen. Not oh wow. Here. wow! Like you know, he came to DC. It's it's going to be great. It, we're going to be successful, and then all of a sudden, mid season, he's going to get that offer to a top league, and he's going to pop smoke. And well. And that'll suck. And that's fine. It's going to have to, it's not going to be this season though. Like he's going to have to spend a little bit of time here. And I think he mentioned three years. Crazier things have happened. Uh, I could see, I mean, if he comes and doesn't lose a game ever, like it it could definitely happen. But I I think 
Maybe not an analogy like that one, John, but a, a comparison is, is, is a dark analogy. How's it going with your personal life, the, John? The coaches, <laughs> the coaches and player market should be somewhat similar, right? So we've seen MLS players leave MLS because they thought they were too good for it and wanted that stepping stone in Europe and go to Belgium. Chris Durkin is currently playing in that league. Um, but but this, yeah, it's, it normally seems like a backward step. But but from Lasada's point of view, he's seen Patrick Vieira coach here and go on to Nice, which is placed in, in Ligue 1, which uh, you got a decent chance of making UCL there. You've seen well, Jesse Marsh leave New York Red Bulls and go on to Salzburg, and, and they're starting to compete in the Champions League. If, if that's his goal, there's a, a pedigree of coaches that have started coming through uh, this league. And it's very interesting to see I don't know if, if the player market will shift that way and we, we start, you know, we start being a more direct stepping stone to, to the major leagues over c- countries like Belgium and, and, you know, I mean, not Holland, but like, you know, that kind of aspect. It's really interesting to see because, yeah, you're right, Sam. I don't think he's coming here. Uh, he's not like the, the old DPs. He's like a new DP, like the Almarones yeah, exactly, and stuff like that. Yeah. He's, he's trying to build his career here. And, and for him, apparently, coming to DC United and coming to MLS is, is a step in the right direction. Uh, and, and you just got to love to see it. And, and it's promising for the future. Yeah. I think it's, he's a little bit ahead of the curve um, in where this is going. And I think DC specifically um, with kind of the Jason Swansea tie. I mean, Jason said last week when we talked to him that he's looking to build that connection and foster that connection for things like recruiting and coaching and things like that. So potentially, um, Losada is even looking at it like, let me do really well here and build my relationship with the owner of a championship team who is potentially being promoted this season, right? So at least to have that connection, if he is ultimately looking to go to Europe. Oh man, the last time I don't a want to talk about championship sides that are going to get promoted. Yeah, no. I'm going to cry. <laughs> we'll get to Paul Ariola later. Oh, no. um, <laughs> but you know, Joshua, one thing you said that that stuck out to me. I was listening to um, the filibuster podcast and then this week and they talked at length about Losada. And one thing I didn't know that they mentioned was league one's niece was actually interested in Losada earlier this season. I don't know. The contract talks didn't, you know, fully materialize. Obviously the move didn't happen, but it's just interesting that you mentioned Vieira, right. And it, it is, it's just such a fascinating movement, but I, I think that's a really good comparison, Sam, of like, you know, it's a younger DP type move coming to MLS, you're gonna get that that exposure here for sure. Um, I just I think one of the things that DC United fans, one of the many things changes that we're gonna have to get used to, is you were not gonna have to worry. We never had to worry about Ben Olsen leaving on his own. Rather, we probably will have to worry about Lasada getting a better offer someday. But that that's a good problem to have if that means that he's got wins and championships and success under his belt. Right? Yeah, and and again, I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to have to prove himself here, right? Like all these other bigger teams were potentially looking at him to prove himself there. But now that he's made the move, you know, he did really great things in the Belgian league. And now, now that he's made the move to another team, I think they're going to sit back a little bit and be like, what can he, he do with this? So again, I don't foresee like this season necessarily being the season that someone else tries to scoop him up or potentially even next season. Cause hearing the way he talked about, how he views this opportunity at DC United. Um, again, DC United aired that entire press conference. I'd highly encourage everyone to go watch it. Um, he seemed really excited about the ability to have his hand in the entire system. So you talk about 
um, at his former team. He, you know, was one of the youth coaches and kind of built his way up, obviously, all over Europe, right? That's a little bit more structured and built out than what MLS is, is working on. You know, they're, they're trying to catapult that. So I think he's coming here and he's seeing that he can kind of like remake the entire system. Um, and he can have a say in how we build our youth and like what goes into that. And obviously, you know, he's going to work with the people who are already in place. But I think that also is like elevating his experience and like he's going to be able to prove that he can do it. And it's going to but that is going to take a couple of years to prove. And he also comes in with a very fresh start. I, I don't even know how I would stream the Belgian league if I was trying to seek out a game, you, although you at can't. some point my soccer degeneracy <laughs> will, will get there. Uh, but to, to bring that system what he's played with in, in Bearscoat and come to the U.S. and apply it, no one's ever seen exactly what he's got. Or, there's no history there of the MLS, good or bad. Uh, and after some of the previous folks we were looking at, to have the team go with a full, fresh restart saying, hey, you know, this is something that we're interested in. We think that this guy is going to be able to apply that here. Dave Casper talked on the Friday about how he's not afraid to play young guys. You know, that was one of the biggest revelations of the season was that we've got young homegrown guys who can step onto the field and be ready to play immediately. Uh, and so I'm excited to see that continue. And like Sam said, kind of continue to build that youth development system. I think that's the most sustainable thing long-term rather than trying to splash a lot of cash to get the, the next great thing from South America or upper Tamar in Europe to, to grow your own and to really develop that system. It's a, it's a very exciting time to be a DC United fan. Yeah. And in, that was not what we were saying at the end of last season, right? When, when things were kind of coming off the rails, Olsen was fired, Ashton came in, tried to make something out of nothing. But yeah, things are definitely really trending upward, you know, between this hire um, and, and obviously we talked about uh, Danita Johnson coming in as well. And I, and I think there is there is a bit of an optimism around this team, which is not normal, uh, you know, as, as a DC United fan. But I, I think I kind of heard it a little bit when uh, Coach Lasada was talking to the media yesterday about just when he watched some of the games he's like they were unlucky last year you know they had a lot of injuries it was a tough season but there's talent um and and that belief that there's talent says to me that you know he's he's already got some thoughts as to how we're going to make things work with the roster we have uh, hopefully there's some opportunities to make a couple moves and, and bring in a, and, and a couple other guys but before we get too into that you know, i mentioned it at the beginning there's been a lot of comparisons so i or i guess rather his his own words that he's yeah. a big fan of um, Marcelo Bielsa and, and the style he plays. So I, I think we got to throw it to our resident Leeds United correspondent, <laughs> Sam Kastner, to tell us what we should expect out of a, out of a Bielsa-esque system. So I'm, I'm just going to say right out of a Bielsa-esque system, if anybody pays any attention to English soccer, right, you've probably heard that it, it's very explosive. Um, it's very attacking minded. Um, it's very much of the idea that you start defending in your opponent's final third, right? The entire team is pushing up. Um, Bielsa does a, a man marking system kind of throughout the entire field. And I don't necessarily think that we're going to see that from Losada. God, I hope not. No, I don't. And I say that, well, first I'm going to say that Losada had a quote that said, I'd rather win every game five, four than one zero. So I think that can give you an idea exactly of what to expect (laughs) and I think Black said it in the group chat earlier this week is like this team already has this like grit and like aggressive and like run till you faint mentality right they have like that workhorse mentality and now it's going to be channeled into like a very aggressive system 
And I think that's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm super excited for it. But I will say I was reading an article and Losada kind of said like, yeah, you know, everyone compares me or not compares me, but everyone says that I'm like this disciple of Bielsa. And while I do take so many things from his game, he kind of, and I don't remember the other coach he mentioned, but yeah, he, yeah, Diego Simeone from Atletico. Yeah. He's like, and he's a much more defensive coach. And I also take a lot of things from his game. And I also think that there's value in like putting emphasis on how you defend. So I don't think it's going to be like Leeds MLS version, right? Like it's going to be very different. And that's why I don't think that we're going to see the man marking throughout the field in the way that we see from uh, Leeds especially because I think in MLS you build your rosters differently. We've talked about this before about how in MLS you like you got to spend your money on the offense and the defense like you don't win anything by signing DP defenders, right? So like keeping that in mind and knowing where the talent for all the other teams is going to be like very offense heavy, I think that he's going to be able and he even said this yesterday in his press conference that like he looks to adjust to the teams that we're playing and he's very willing to be very fluid. Um, so, yeah, I think that we are going to see like a very attack minded team and it, it's going to be a very high line and I'm so excited for it. But I do think that there is going to be some defensive emphasis as well, which I think will suit this team because we do have a really good defense. Right. That's like hard to say when you look at our stats from last season. But when you look at the season before, like we had one of, if not the best defense in the league. Right. And I think what happened last season is like, you can only take so many shots before some of them start going in. Right. Like, and a lot of it was like kind of silly defensive errors that again, when you're just being like drilled the entire game, you lose it for just a second. And then a ball goes in the back of the net. Yeah. And I don't think that we're going to win games five, four after going down four, zero. Yeah. This is not, it's not a system that's going to be designed to be porous. It's just a system that's going to be running up and down the field trying to create. And it's, it's something we've seen have success in MLS before. Tata Martino in Atlanta played a very similar uh, Bielsa-inspired system and obviously had a lot of success before he moved on to the Mexican national team. So I think it's a system that can have a lot of success in the United States. Now, how our personnel fits with how he wants to play it and it's going to be another bit of a challenge for us to, to see how he makes that work because it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot more signings coming in but you know who knows we've only had the coach on board for a week you know maybe they start talking about uh, additional needs they need to meet yeah i think what a lot of people have kind of been saying online right is that he typically plays a three five two um he'll definitely stick what we've seen him do is definitely stick with the two up top. Um, but those kind of outside players kind of shift. So you kind of go from like a five, three, two to a three, five, two, depending on again, like what's happening in the game. And if we're more offensive or defensive. And I, I feel like we do have the wide players to certainly streak forward, right? Even playing defensive Benny ball. That's what we saw from our outside defenders, right? Is them like really making those overlapping runs and rushing forward. And I think that they're very wonderfully going to fit into the style of system. My biggest concerns, and we talked about this a little bit um, when we kind of went through the roster, our center back and then another striker, yep. I think are big, like problem or not problem areas, but like areas that we'll need to make a signing for. I think we were all concerned about depth at the striker position when we thought we would be playing one. And now <laughs> to, to understand that like Lozada's preferred style has two, 
um, oh boy, you know that that's definitely it's it's worrying. And and you know we'll talk a little bit about the the super draft here in a minute. But I I want to I want to talk a little bit about the potential opportunities that that DC United would have with wingbacks in in a potential three five two system. I know that you know both well Atlanta United had used um, Gressel a little bit in in that role in the past and. We've unfortunately seen Paul Ariola at just proper right back in the past, which has not been great. <laughs> but wing back, a little bit different. And you think of just how crowded the midfield is on this roster right now. And and there's a good amount of talent, talent that was really coming coming on at the end of last season. You know, Yamil Assad did a 180 in my mind last season. You know, <laughs> by the end of the season, he was getting much closer to the player. I, I remember him being before he left. Um, and then, you know, of course, Flores was really felt like starting to find his own uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in a way. So does that potentially open up, if he's still on the team, potentially a Paul Areola, Julian Gressel wingback type situation? Is that something that we we see a little of and, and we tweak? I mean, I, I think we're going to see, Sam, I think you mentioned it to me earlier in the week, but we're probably going to see a number of different rosters, formations, things till something sticks. Um, but, but what do you guys think, you know, kind of out of the gate, see i think it's important to know that that lasada said in his, his press conference what yesterday that he, he's okay to like flexibly you know it's it's going to be flexible at first the roster is not his there's a lot of turnover we're waiting on you know uh more transfers to come in but if we had to right now yeah the, the wing back position is a basically a combination of winger and fullback and, and we were a little bit short on on fullback but we have so much talent at the wings um you guys probably don't even need to list them, but uh, we have two DP wingers. Uh, and so what do we do with them? Uh, and, and I think, yeah, uh, not just some playing time for Atlanta for Russell while he was there at the wing back position, but he won rookie of the year at wing back and he won an MLS cup as, as well. He was a little bit higher up the field for, for some of that season, but he, he's a legit, legit right wing back and, and Ariola, I just rewatched the Columbus playoff game that's where he started for that play. Our last playoff game, Ariola starts at the right back. So they both can play. I'm just worried. I, I don't think you can. They're both so right-footed. I, I don't know how they would be inverted. Uh, what I'm excited about, and I know this is a long shot, but is Kevin Paredes got some reps at left wing back last season uh, in the slouch. I, I would love to see him maybe make that position as a. So then who, who would you stick? Well, the, the guy that doesn't go to Swansea probably plays right wing back for us. <laughs> well, the other thing is, though, I mean, I could see Joseph Mora potentially having some success. There. Oh, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. some some really good overlapping runs. You know, again, that that year where the last last playoff appearance, right, when him and, and Fisher were both really kind of coming into their own at outside back. They were both attacking outside backs, too, in, in, in the way we were playing. And so I, I could see him getting some opportunities out there as well. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't, didn't mean to you know diminish more. He's, he's definitely, I, I think he's one of the better left backs in the league, which and it's not always saying too much, but he, he's definitely quality over there. Uh, so it's his position to lose, in my opinion. I would be interested to see if he shifts to, to center back. When, when you play a three in the back or five in the back, whatever, uh, as I've seen Wolves play a lot of this, you can – maybe not have the the most center backy center backs right yeah you can you can put some guys that are a little bit pacey because you have a, a center a, you know the center center back center center half like your pivot uh he can yeah he can switch over if one of those center backs wants to get forward or he can deal with the crosses that come in over the the shorter maybe more athletic 
So, uh, and then as a team, you practice for that, right? If you know that on your left side, Moro's going to be going back. forward. Yeah. yeah, everyone kind of shifts over and you just like kind of overrush the left side position, but you have that like balance in the back. Yeah, I, so so there's there's pl- I think it's it's different. Uh, Matthew Doyle, the analyst for for Soccer.com, has completely written off the first year for DC United. Basically, he says this is a four-two-three-one lineup that's going to try to play five in the back, and it's not going to work. But I think I think Lasada will be able to coach them into it. Yeah, that's that's disappointing to hear that, that he's kind of already written it off because I I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't think that last year. I mean, are you? Could you argue that the roster was better suited for the system we played last year? Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you could probably argue it was better suited, but we didn't have any success. Right. So, like, to say that this year's a total loss already is, seems a, a bit dramatic. Yeah, I mean, what is a total loss this year? Like, you finished what twelve to thirteen out of fourteen teams. <laughs> so true. How, how so you, true. How, how if you come in and you finish tenth, which this year would have been a playoff spot, probably isn't next year. Not ideal. Um, but we haven't played a second of soccer. We don't even know when the season's going to start yet. Yeah. You know, I think we're all going to be optimistic and hopeful until proven otherwise. Yeah, there's going to be some growing pains trying to shift guys into it, but it's also going to be surprising to see how some of the guys step into different roles and flourish in ways that we may not have expected. You know, we've found this year that you know, Flores likes being on the wing more than playing as a 10. Does he slide back into a 10 if he's in the middle of a, a five in the midfield? You know, Assad play on the wing, but also like slide into the 10. Uh, there's a lot of different changes that you can do. And I know we think about players as, you know, they're locked into being yeah. X position. Like, yeah, you usually don't go from being a center back to being a forward. But other than that, there's a lot of flexibility in what you can do. And it's going to be a challenge for Hernan to come through and say, you know, this is how we're going to play. This is how. I think the the guys I have can fit the system, but I'm excited to see it. And, I, and one thing I want to point out in, in defense in particular, there's one guy on DC United's roster that actually does have some history with Hernan Losada, and that's Frederick Briant. They were both on uh, Bearscode together from 2011 to 2013. And so I, I Fred's obviously getting older in, in his career. He was, I think, I think he was my MVP last season, if I recall that episode correctly. Um, I, I don't think he's done yet. He's got another year under contract. I could see, you know, a, a good amount of this season with him in as one of the three center backs. Um, and potentially, I, we know from talking to Fred, um, he, he's interested in you know, potentially coaching down the road. I'd be fascinated to see if in 2022, Briant becomes an assistant coach on this team and, and, and stays under Lasada kind of gets his opportunity to, to transition into coaching. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating quite a bit there, but I do find it interesting that they played together in the past. Um, and obviously it's not, not a huge age difference uh, between the two of them. So it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, we see a, a good amount of Briant this year for, for as long as his legs can, can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a good in for a new coach to kind of theoretically already have someone in your corner. Um, going back to how the players are going to fit into this system though. I think that they're really excited for it, right? It's not oh, like yeah. they loved the system last year and are super. <laughs> I bet my boy Emil is pumped. Yeah, <laughs> right? They weren't like, really sad like, when they. Yeah, we're just gonna. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like they, it got to the point where very publicly, like right before Olsen was fired, very publicly they were like, "This isn't fun. I'm not enjoying my job, and I wish we attacked more." Right? So I don't think 
I don't think there's going to be a lot of time trying to get players to buy into the system. Obviously, it is going to take time to get used to each other and for all the players to learn whatever system Losada wants to put into place at DC. But I think that you already have, sorry, one like hurdle out of the way in that they're raring to go for it. Yeah, it was funny to me that Russell tweeted out before it was like it was still rumored at the time. It hadn't been announced yet. He was like, hey, how do I watch the Belgian League in the U.S.? And so he was he was raring to go, ready to see how the, the new formation would work, ready for this new coach. I think everyone is. Which, by the way, I got your answer for that, Joshua. Uh, it's not available in the U.S. Yeah, no. It is. Uh, Dazen has it in Canada. So if we go to a Toronto away game in the future, we can maybe check it out. Um, ESPN has it in a couple other countries if, if you're able to digitally travel to other countries. <laughs> well put, John. Well put. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it should be noted that, that right now Losada is having to digitally travel to talk to his players. Apparently, after the, the presser yesterday, he was going to have a chat. He hadn't talked to any, any players directly yet. Um, and so he's still waiting on his visa. We're all super excited for him to be here. And we're talking about him moving on already, but he's got to <laughs> get here first. Uh, we're still pending all that. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll go. Which was super interesting to me. And I think this says a lot about what we have to expect that Casper spoke first yesterday. And he was like, you know, Lasada's had a lot. Like he's been going basically 13 months straight. There's a pandemic. You know, his life has been in Belgium for 13 years. I think he said, He's like, you know, we, we want to give him a little bit of a breather. He really needs uh, to, like, close all the loose ties in Belgium. And then he's going to have to come over to the U.S. and really get used to things here. Like, obviously, we're talking to him and we're taking in his input. But we're just trying to really give him some space to, like, get his personal life in, in order before he comes over. And then Lasada comes on. And I think word for word, he was like 24-7, I'm available to DC United. I'm watching games. I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting ready. I'm going to hit their ground running. Like, let's go. I'm ready. I'm here for DC United, and we're going to make great things happen. So I think that his mentality, not that we didn't see that at DC United, because we all know like how passionate Ben Olsen was and still is about making this team successful. But I think the strategy and the way that Lasada is going to approach the on the field product is so vastly different from what we've had in the past um I I don't mean this comparison to like insult Ben or anything like that but this is kind of like what it makes me think of is um Tim Howard had that quote when Jurgen Klinsmann came in and he kind of like restricted some of the foods that they could have right and like Tim Howard was super mad because he couldn't have a milkshake before games or whatever it was right I mean, that like, was ludicrous like of the things was. that Klinsmann did that was up on the list of <laughs> but I think that that is the the type of shift that we're going to see I'm not saying that he's going to come in and like dictate that in the same way because that's some of the things you see in like the Premier League right so it's not like totally out of the norm I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen but I think that type of mentality from like a laid back like not even laid back I don't know it's it's just a shift in intensity and a shift in the way that you look at the game and the way that you maybe watch film and approach it and I think it's gonna take DC United to the next level in yeah. a way that we haven't seen before it, it was definitely that kind of ire the, the assistants came in and this was probably general practice for a team is you come in and you have to research the team beforehand. You have to tell the owners and the GM, this is where I think you guys are at right now. This is where I would play this guy and this guy and this guy. It doesn't seem like that happened for Lasada. It seemed like 
Casper found an ambitious coach with a style of play that the fans want. And, and Levian, after talking to him, that's what he wants to play. And they're going to get to that instead of Lasada coming in and, and, you know, fixing DC United. He's coming in and, and he's going to be DC United. He's like shifting it. Yeah. He's like rebuilding it almost. And he's, again, just changing the way that DC United is going to operate and approach things. And I think it's going to be just a higher level. Or so we hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no knock on Ben, but. I don't think anyone looked at Ben as a coach and the product he put on the field and said that this is a breaking new ground strategically kind of coach. He had a number of strengths, you know, connected to players, obviously a legend of the club, but to have a, a coach coming in who's got a different strategic mindset, who understands that you can win games in other ways than just trying to get a lucky goal and don't and bend not break. Uh, it's a it's an exciting change and i think you know to going back to the issues with the transition you know coming over and getting visa shorted out i think it's going to be weeks not months you know he's clearly eager to get over here and we found out friday that it sounds like he's keeping at least two assistants in chad ashton and zach thornton are likely going to be retained uh so that's going to help with the transition getting new folks in obviously they're going to have to adjust to what Arnon wants to do coming in, uh, particularly Chad having had the reins for a little bit and then yielding them back. But yeah, I'm hopeful that that kind of consistency across the, the staff is going to be of advantage when we do try to make a whole lot of changes coming forward. Yeah, yeah I think they both still have one year on their contract. Yeah. So what I heard was that Losadas has the opportunity to hire maybe one more assistant coach um, to kind of bring someone in, but it. I mean, it's not surprising that those two are staying on, right? Because we had heard that that was a potential issue for hiring other coaches is that they didn't necessarily want them. Yeah, and I'm fine with it. I think Ashton showed in his little stint last year that he, he's he's not a, an awesome disciple or anything. He was willing to change things up. And so if he has a head coach that says, hey, this is how I would like to play, it's going to be a good balance where, where Ashton seems to be accepting of, of the new ideas, but he also has – so much history in this league and understands the mechanisms and the workings. So, so I think it could be a, a good point. And Zach Thornton is a, a legend in this league and, and our goalkeepers are always great. So I, yeah, I, I was going to say from a Thornton perspective, I don't know you can get much better I mean, yeah. in, in MLS standards. Right. And I, I think one of the things that's super beneficial about those guys staying on is, you know, we're all very excited. I mean, hell, I, I started off the show worried about when he's going to leave, right? <laughs> when Lozada's going to leave. So we're all very excited about this. But but we, we have to talk about just how risky it is, like you guys were saying. I mean, this is not the expected hire. And no. I don't think it was what any of us thought we would see you know, at the end of last season. But it, it's kind of what we hoped to see is something that would, would come in and totally change things up, take a risk. There's not much to lose at this point, right? <laughs> but having guys like Ashton and Thornton who have MLS experience should be so important for Lasada because let's be honest, foreign coaches have not had regular success in MLS. I mean, we've, we've seen it then be done, um, but it, it is a challenge to come to this league for, I mean, the laundry list of reasons, whether it's roster rule craziness or traveling across Belgium for your closest away game here in the U S right. So, there's so many differences that I think, you know, hopefully Lasada can can learn from Ashton, uh, you know, a little bit about MLS, how it works, 
and yeah, in a year, if he's like, hey, I, I want to bring in my own guys, like, you know, rock on, that, that's great. But I think there's an opportunity for some continuity there. And, and in my mind, that can probably only be a, a good thing for yeah. United. I, I think it's a valid point. Uh, I think I, I was deep in the, in, the, in the woods here when I was expecting Armist to be hired because that, that would have been a very DC United move. But I, I was going to counter with like only one coach with no U.S. soccer history has ever won in most cups, and that was Tata Martino with an absolutely stacked Atlanta United team. Um, besides that, every single supporter shield has been won by a coach with U.S. ties. And we're talking about the greats in, in MLS history. It's Caleb Porter, uh, Bruce Arena. Those guys had college experience before coming up. Um, but also the, the counter to that is how many coaches of foreign, you know, relations have come into MLS before? And were they really, like, did they stick around for 20 years? Like Arena, sure, Arena and those type of people have, have won a bunch, but they've also been here forever, and they've also are probably like 80% of the head coaches in the list. So I don't think it's a knock on him. I, I think it's one of those like U.S. soccer misconceptions. Like uh, just because foreign coaches haven't won all the time in MLS, it doesn't mean it's not possible. I think it's just statistically hard to, to overcome. Yeah, it's a very small sample size, and – Going and it's always a talking point. The, me- the media brings it up yeah. quite a bit, which is which is why I mentioned it. Go ahead, Sam. The, so the I mean the literal exact same thing happened at Leeds when they brought in Marcelo Bielsa. Right, everyone was like, he has no English experience. He's not going to be able to adapt. His style of play is so different from what like typical English soccer is. He's not going to be very successful. And now here he is in his second year, having brought the team up, and he's basically mid table in the Premier League with. 99% of the same players he had in the championship, right? Like he was able to do something and build something with this vastly different mentality. And one could argue, right? Like give it a couple of years, maybe teams will learn how to adapt, but it, and it's like shifting the English game a little bit, right? It's like shifting the way that soccer is played a little bit because he came in with this crazy other mentality. I think there's the potential for the same thing to happen in this situation. I think that there's the potential for Lasada to come in to completely, because he has no MLS experience, he's not kind of falling into the same mindset that other coaches would come into. He's going to do things completely his own way. John, I think you're right. It's great that he has the continuity in Chad and Thornton to like be able to learn about MLS, right? He's not just like floundering, but to learn about it, but then say, well, that's great. I'm still going to do it this way. And to really shift the way that things are happening. And I think I mentioned earlier, you know, he might be on like the very beginning of a cusp of a wave of this being a lot of coaches seeing MLS as a way to grow their career. And if he's able to come here and have that type of success, I think that it would mean really great things for the league overall. Two things, you know, first, he's clearly very aware of the changes that MLS is going to bring to his life as opposed to coaching the Belgian league, you know, things like travel, things like trying to manage weird roster rules. It's something that he's coming in eyes wide open that, Hey, this is a strange league when it comes to trying to deal with those problems. And that is, they can't be overstated that you have to be ready to, to deal with that. And I think the other side, you know, we're obviously very excited and, and hopeful for it. This is not a guy who is coming in just as a, a big name or, you know, a former player or somebody who you can, slot in relatively unknown here in the states we went out and got him because of the success that he's had and being able to apply that system coming in it's not a like some of the other european coaches we've seen in this league have mostly been there for the name recognition this is 
to, to me, it feels more like a, hey, this is a guy who's going to run a system that we want to put in, and let's see what happens. Now, it could flounder, but Joshua, I think you're exactly right. You know, Just because the league has always been led by domestic coaches does not mean it always has to be. And if we are ahead of the curve for once uh, <laughs> moving forward and, and how we uh, adjust and how we you know do this, could pay off major dividends. Yeah, we're ushering in. What are we at now? MLS 4.0? We're <laughs> really at the, the starting of that. Black, oh, wow. I think... <laughs> <laughs> the declaration. <laughs> Black, I think that's such a, a good point. And I something... I think the team is behind it, too, right? Like, we, we could have hired Armas and done the same old MLS thing and upped our game a little bit, but not really been an MLS Cup contender. But the fact that we went out and did something so different and we're taking a chance on somebody like this says to me that the team is going to be behind him when it also comes to signings and things like that. And I think talking to Jason, he also seemed very excited about lifting this team up and, you know, making us one of the kind of automatic write-ins for MLS playoffs again. So the fact that they are taking this outrageous chance, right, they're not going to sign this person who has all these crazy ideas and then not give him the tools to succeed in my mind, right? If you're going to take that chance and you're going to hire someone like that, like you're going to then back them also. I'm not saying they that we're going to, sp- I'm not saying that we're going to like splash all the cash and have like the best team in MLS necessarily. Um, but I think that it is going to be a shift in the types of players that we sign and things like that. I think they have to. And, and I think with, you know, some of the, the guys that he draws inspiration of that we talked about, right? Like those are big name coaches and, and you can't, you can't give him, you know, USL caliber players, right? You've, he's, he's going to have to have a chance to bring in some of his guys. And I don't know that that'll happen before the 2021 season kicks yeah. off, right? I mean, it might be a, a summer move or it could be a before 2022 move where we start to really see some of those guys come in. But you know that that's got to be something that that DC United was was looking at in terms of he's an Argentine, so he's got influence and 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 interest in South America, and he's also had experience in Europe, and so just building the DC United network, you know that that um, Jason Levy talked a little bit about, you know, with us on our last show about you know the, the idea that we've got this network with Swansea and, and DC, and then of course the USL team in Loudon. And now you've got a head coach that's got more connections in South America and, and European experience. Like, I, I don't think you do that just to bring in draft picks, for example, right? And so I, I hope you're right, Sam. I hope that they're they're absolutely planning to back them. And I do think we all just probably have to be a little patient as to you know when we see those moves happen. Yeah, and this I, I think you're right with the patience, but I'm also going to say that like. DC United is very upfront that one of the things they love about Lasada is that he knows how to work with young players. He knows how to te- like coach them up, right? There's a difference between a manager and a coach, right? A manager who just has all this talent and like fits the pieces together. Great. And then there's a coach who like coaches someone up and teaches you how to read the game and like how to potentially play in a different system or how to use your skills to the best advantage, right? Like those are two different things. And I think that potentially he is going to take more of the coaching side, right? And like really work with young players and build them up. And then, you know, maybe we can be in the conversation of places like Dallas and Philly who are able to really sell these young players on, um, which is another exciting thing. But Lasada said that yesterday, right? That it's all about balance, that he loves working with young players, but you also need 
the experience in there to balance it out. So I think we're going to see a little bit of both would be my hope. Yeah, and lots lots more to see with the, the Lasada story. That's obviously just getting started here uh, with the black and red. But what we saw just this just this week, too, a double news week, uh, is, is the MLS Super Draft. And, and we've all got our thoughts on, on how that <laughs> went. So let's throw it to break. And, uh, and, and when we come back, we'll talk about DC United's three draft picks uh, in the 2021 MLS Super Draft, along with some news about when this season might actually get started right here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Can't listen to us live on YouTube? Fine. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Cast the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. Back here on Tried Through the United Post New Coach Hire podcast presented <laughs> by Heineken, and it, it, it's it's an exciting time not only for Hernando Sada but also we have players inbound, and maybe not through traditional acquisition means, but one of the old school MLS ways to add players to your roster is the MLS Super Draft. We got really it. has a cape and everything. <laughs> We don't even have a sponsor. Come on, we can change the name, right? Uh, DC United had two picks. Uh, no, I think Adidas sponsored it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's official. Oh, yeah. they have a combine and well, everything. Adidas sponsors everything in this league. <laughs> <laughs> it's like written into the contract they signed. Just don't want to get sued by Adidas that so we didn't give them proper credit. Maybe you should reach out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, true. But it has definitely been the Super Draft since 1996. <laughs> oh, that isn't a very 90s name. Yeah. Yeah, Super. Uh, DC United went into the day with two picks. They ended the day with three, and we'll talk a little bit about how that happened. But 
Um, DC United had the number four overall pick, um, and, and things didn't start out kind of as predicted. It, it was kind of painful. And it was hilarious. <laughs> they, they got to the point where they were like, you know what, we're not predicting anything anymore because no one's listening. Um, but we thought DC United would grab um, a center back with their first round pick, and we'd hoped that uh, a number of guys would, would potentially still be available, including uh, Ethan Bartlow and, and, and Brad Halsey. But DC United selected Kimarni Smith from Clemson with the number four overall pick. Uh, and and he's a forward, spent a lot of time at striker, and, and I think he's a left wing for Clemson. And I, it, I think the four of us were kind of scrambling in the chat of like, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't take a center back. Lo and behold, DC United immediately picked up the fifth overall pick <laughs> uh, from from Atlanta United. They traded 125,000 in GAM. Uh, that's 75K this year and 50K next year to Atlanta for the fifth pick and the 32nd pick uh, in the draft. So Michael DeShields was the selection uh, out of Wake Forest at fifth overall. So I'll, I'll kind of pause us here. And I wanted to do both all at once because this was kind of the sensation that, that we had during the actual draft was we barely knew how to pronounce Kamarni's first name and, and they picked a second guy, right? So how do we feel about these two selections? Uh, I'll it's... jump off because I, I love the yeah, super draft. Uh, I, I watch it every single year and I, I just love the, the prospect. When else are you going to be able to see GMs sit down and, and, and work like that in a very short period? It's, it's fascinating stuff. And every year there's, there's top quality talent. And Daryl DK last year went to fifth pick. He's in the U.S. camp right now. He scored eight goals last year. Before that, we had Jack Harrison, who now plays in the Premier League. Before that, we had uh, Cash Muller, who just scored his first, what, what was it, two goal, a brace or a hat trick. for the. There's there's always talent in this draft, and it's so fascinating to watch. The Julian gene. Gressel. Yeah, yeah, Julian Gressel, uh, Rookie of the Year that year, uh, despite you know all these young players coming in the league. Uh, it's fascinating to me, and, and I was – really excited because we had bought into all this stuff about Losada and the team's going to invest more. And so I was sure that, that Casper who, who's knocked the draft out of the park uh, in the, I guess the early 2010s, we can say that now. So we, yeah, with like Perry kitchen, Steven Birnbaum was Nikki D. Uh, yes. Draft Nikki D. Also. Went, yeah. We was, used to have like, I mean, yeah, we used to kill it every single year and that's what we were a little bit known for was like picking these, really young guys who just come in and like play lights out and are automatic starters. Um, and Casper mentioned it in the press conference yesterday when asked about it, we haven't had this high a pick in a while. Um, so it, it was really an opportunity to get back to it. Did he, did we do it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like John mentioned that the mock drafts, everything we knew kind of went out the window as soon as the, the undisputed number one overall didn't go until third. Uh, it was crazy. There's a lot of caveats. Uh, this year, there there basically wasn't college soccer, so so there was no co- combine for for GMs to look at these players. Uh, I We've don't been know. looking at Kamarni for two years, though, right? That, that's what Casper said. I, I I have no doubt that he watches a lot of ACC soccer. They're the only league that played this year, uh, so he he definitely knew. We have uh, Ryan Martin has Wake Forest ties. Used to coach that for them before he came to us. So. I don't doubt that that he had the the scouting report for these guys. I just didn't see Kamarni going before before like seventh overall. So so, in my opinion, uh, maybe we didn't get the best talent or, or the best value, but but maybe Casper went for what he feels is the best, you know, 
fit for the team, which well, is interesting. Do you want to outline Generation Adidas too? Because I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that yet. And just maybe for our listeners that, who don't, I'm trying not to flip the table here because uh, it, it was Generation Adidas is a, basically a program uh, also sponsored by Adidas, John. Uh, that right. <laughs> basically makes sure that uh, underclassmen in college soccer don't leave. Like they don't just like cancel their scholarship and go abroad. Uh, it, it, they automatically they sign a contract with the league before the draft, um, basically ensuring that they're going to play in MLS. And then they don't count toward your roster. Uh, there was five in the draft this year, and DC United had the fourth, and then eventually the fifth pick as well. Uh, so I was certain that Casper would go for one of those generation Adidas. Everyone else in the top seven picked a, a generation Adidas player. Uh, it's just such a benefit to your roster to have one of these guys it was so interesting to me, and I and I spent too many hours on a work day looking at MLS <laughs> roster rules to try to understand why Casper went away from that. Uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of concerning for me, and I, I'm really – I don't know. I, I wanted to ask him in the presser yesterday. I didn't get a chance to get my question asked, but we'll see. Uh, John but, has the opposite yeah, yeah. view, so I'll let you. Well, it's, it's interesting. So one thing I wanted to point out is I, I believe DC United's last generation Adidas player was actually Julian Boucher out of Syracuse. Oh, yeah. Correct. He was definitely a Adidas player. I don't know if we've had anybody since. Um, here's All of the things that, that Joshua lays out there are, are tremendous benefits to a roster. Like, yeah, if you have a guy on the books and he literally doesn't take up a spot, like, why, why not, right? Um, and I, the other thing you, you didn't mention about Kamarni Smith on the show, but I, I know you're very aware of, is that he also requires an international slot. So not only is it a regular roster spot, but it's an international slot as He's well. He's English, yeah. Where I come in on this is I, a, a lot of what you guys were just talking about with Casper's record in drafts in the past. I kind of trust that he, he knows he's in his mind, he was taking who he believes the best talent available were. Um, and, you know, the Shields is interesting because you had a Generation Adidas defender available. Um, he's from Maryland. He's from Wake, and, he, yeah, and, he's, and he's a Maryland guy. So I think I think there's some, some comfort there. Um, Kamari Smith's a head-scratcher. Um, I mean, obviously, if, if Mayaka was available, that would have been brilliant. Um, he's more of a midfielder, but, you know, maybe – I, I don't know, but I guess all that's to say, I think you find a way to get these guys on your roster if they're going to make a difference in whether that's the starting 11 or in the 18 or they're going to get minutes. You find a way to get them on the roster. I, DC United are not notorious for having huge rosters, and I I would guess that there's some level of, of optimism that the ability to move players between USL and MLS is going to be more normal this year as opposed to last year where it was kind of like one or the other um which would make this easier um but i also i think casper looks at, at both of these guys as like they could play for for the for the first team this year and i think that's why he didn't just take a generation to be this guy i think I it's, yeah it's also worth mentioning it's the shields right who has the um contract with revs too so he essentially has to be yeah. given the dc united contract as opposed to the loudon one um just to Right. throw that in you know all, another layer of these picks go ahead Bach. yeah and uh, i think where i come down on it is that you know casper clearly rated both these guys there's a reason that we decided to spend additional gam to come back in and get that fifth pick for and to get another guy who doesn't meet the generation of us criteria so you're paying all of it 
if DC United looks at those guys and says, hey, these two guys are guys we need and guys that we are going to make our roster, which I hope they do because that's the only thing that makes sense with the way we conducted the draft, then it's a great draft and they did what they needed to do. There's, you know, you're, you're unlikely to be able to make the same kind of return off of trying to make a, a transfer for somebody else from outside the league or you know, find a player somewhere else. Uh, it's 125000 in GAM. It's not a whole lot, especially if you're not making big signings elsewise. So again, if the player, if the team rates the guys and, and wants them, then I have no problem with going the way they went about it. Now, if they don't pan out, then we're going to have to ask questions about it. I, I think just, I think a l- little bit along the same lines as what did we say we needed? A striker and a center back. What did we draft? A striker and a center back. So I, that to me says that these are more immediate needs that we're filling as opposed to like signing guys out of college and then giving them a couple years of shifting between Loudon and DC and then eventually coming up when they're like 25, 26. That's not to say that they're automatically in the starting lineup, but I think that these, especially given DeShield's situation, um, I think that these are more immediate fills in the roster. And, and, and soccer is not like you know the NFL where you need somebody who has had a chance to physically develop through the four years of college and end up being 22. Like these guys are 21, 22 years old coming through the draft. That's not uh, it's young, but it's not uh, as much a developmental prospect. Right. These are guys that you expect to be able to slot in because if they're not on the field within the next two or three years, you're hitting 25, and then you really don't know where, what you've got there. Uh, so it's it's a different kind of beast than the kind of drafts that Americans are used to. So again, if we think that there are players who can step in and get on the field, then more power to them. But if they're not, then I it's a head scratcher. Yeah, it's a head scratcher for me either way. I I, I don't understand. I don't I don't think we had to reach for these guys. Uh, they they weren't projected to go before sixth or seventh for for you know the. Kamarni, but uh, the Shields was like the sixth rated center back in the league. We probably could have picked him up with, with the pick in the second round. Casper didn't want to risk it. That's fine. He he must rate this talent because they. And for me, the annoying thing is that if he had gone with the Generations Adidas player, which which could have been, you know, maybe not as good in his eyes, but then that allows you to stack your roster with other players. For me, this is a sign of DC United filling holes. You're filling roster spots with players that are probably going to be signed to minimum contracts at first because they, they just came out of college and they're not hot prospects. I would rather Casper show – it's just a sign of the ambition to me. If if we were going to fill our roster, bring in some real talent, we could have saved that game for that and we would have gotten the players that don't count against your cap. I don't know. I, I don't think you can build a team out of players that just went to college. And that's what seems to be – what I, what, that's what I'm getting from this move. Yeah, and, and we could be wrong. You yeah. know, it could be that these guys step in and, you know, especially, like we said, top end of the draft, there are some folks there. Now you start getting middle of the first round, second round. The guys that may be in the league for a year or two, but in all likelihood are probably not going to stick around. But no, I think you're exactly right. It's the DC and I are trying to fill the roster out. You know, these are the guys that they wanted to do it with. You'd love to see, you know, bigger name signings, but they looked at this and said, "Hey, this is our opportunity." This, and you see other teams like, you know, Philly. I think traded all their draft picks yeah. away because they 
saw no reason considering you're back homegrown yeah yeah and then Atlanta was more than happy to drop back and then still ended up getting Josh Bauer, who a lot of people were pegging as a top 10 pick. You know, with the way that the teams make up, it's not the same kind of thing where you're saying, oh, you know, this is the best player available. He is a home run kind of guy. Uh, it's very much filling in what you need, which we did. We picked a defender. We picked a guy who can play forward. But are these really going to be the guys that's going to, you know, be instrumental in putting Lasada's system into place, I guess we'll see. I, I think the only counterpoint I would potentially offer to that is that I guess I see the draft these days as very low risk and, and potentially high reward. Um, the obvious exception this year being the DeShields move that, that did cost money. Um, and an international slot, right? Or is that Kamarni? Kamarni would potentially be the international yeah. slot, yeah. but what I could see happening here is, you know, Kamarni could go, could sign the USL contract. I mean, there's, there's nothing stopping him from doing that. Um, and then the Shields obviously is, is riskier. Um, but I think you guys said it, like Casper has to rate this guy um, and, and think he can fit in in order to pick him that high. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not going to be nearly as frustrated if, if neither of these guys really pan out for DC United because – well, I guess you compare it against the rest of this year's draft class, right? Like, how does how does everybody do? And then you can go back and say, damn, we missed this guy or whatever. I, I think, you know, Joshua, to your point about, you know, filling holes and, like, you could have spent that money elsewhere, I, I think they still can, right? I mean, they, they could say, yeah, okay, this, these guys aren't working, and you go out and buy a guy, and then you cut them. You know, it's not like the roster spot's obligated. It, they, I, don't, I guess they didn't, they didn't close all the other doors. It is a little curious how they landed on these players, but I hope, yeah, I hope, I hope it works out. I don't know. I love the super draft, but I don't know if at this point in MLS you can invest in the players there, and that's what we we could have traded all our picks just like Philly did. Uh, got two hundred and gam, saved the hundred whatever amount we spent, and then bring in a player like Delion to fill that roster spot. That's what I would rather see. I would rather see us bet on our homegrown talent and get players there. So and use the extra cash that we could have gotten and bring in veteran. I think that's how you build a MLS cup roster. That's that's Atlanta center back, uh, miles Morales, that's or miles. Uh, <laughs> gosh, Spider-Man, uh, miles Robinson, uh, Robinson, uh, miles Robinson. That that's what he was a generation to Diaz player. And they used that gam that they saved from, you know, not spending that on a, on a regular draft pick to bring in LGP and, and players like that. I think that's how you win. So I also think, talking about our academy right like this is potentially also where we see holes in the academy if we don't see a center back who we're going to be able to bring in in the next couple years it makes sense to sign this other center back who you think will be able to fit in the system right if we don't have any top-notch forwards in a role where we're already lacking then yeah it totally makes sense to sign someone who you have faith that your scouting says that this dude can slide in yeah i i think that's i think i land more on sam's side of this one and I, I think Philly is just an interesting use case because, you know, they're, they're so lauded for how successful they've been in, in building their academy and, and bringing players up and now selling players. But they also shuttered their USL team. And so that there is a there is another key difference between their system and our system now is that they don't have a place to stash guys. So for them to not draft players and for them to trade to get GAM, I, I see the logic 100%. 
but DC United still does have to fill out a roster allowance. They're committed to that project. And so I think, you know, you, you obviously don't want to see four and five overall picks in this draft be straight into USL, ideally. But I, I think there is a, a lot to what Sam's saying there about is that potentially a gap in the system because the DC United Academy is is not close to where the Philly Academy is yet, right? And so it's it, they're kind of going in opposite directions. Like DC United built the, the USL team later, and now they're trying to you know build the academy to build the whole system. And Philly had the USL team, they built their academy, and then they just killed the USL team because the academy is just flowing right into the first team. They don't really need it anymore. So it's that's one key difference I see. And, and I, I hear you loud and clear, Joshua. I, I just wonder if, you know, daily almost the example you used, but does DC United potentially at this point, see more value in trying to bring more and more younger players in that they can grow instead of bringing in players that are potentially later in their career to, to fill gaps on the first team roster. I don't know. That's so interesting. And yeah. I think we saw Philly not do great for a while right and now we're seeing their young kids do great but to me John like what you just said like they don't have the USL right which is not only a like place to stash your guys but also potentially like more revenue right so I think that like and this is the first year they won't have that by the way they, they shuttered it at the end of the 2020 you're season. right but they also weren't like successful right like there's a difference no, between just like having a team <laughs> and like actually trying to bolster that team up um so to in my mind it like we're we're in the beginning of it right like this is not the long-term projection of MLS like we I know that we're talking about this year specifically and what we think about this year but John like the way you laid it out just now to me makes more sense going forward to have both USL and the academy and to like have your academy kids grow up and potentially be able to get some guys USL time and then bring them over have guys go straight up to the first team that'd be great Either way, though, like also having USL and even if there are guys on that team who are never going to make it to MLS, you're just bringing in like revenue at that point. You're just bringing in fans in Loudoun who it's it, I mean, it's not that far away who are potentially going to drive up for some DC United games who are going to be DC United fans if you're pulling players from there. Right. Like it's it's kind of like the this triangle that you have so, that could really uh, work. And I think that's yeah. what they're going for. And just one quick aside on that. I, I just saw an email on Friday. Uh not only do DC United season ticket members this year get a couple of passes to go see Loudon games, which I'm thrilled about, Yay. Um, but Loudon United season ticket holders get a pass to go see uh, at least one DC United game. I love it. So, I, I love it. That's so I smart. I mean, the area is That's great marketing. obviously accessible to get to both, right? But to, to bring, you know, there, there's a core fan base. It's a little bit small still, but there is a core fan base that, that are Loudon United fans. They're great. And to get some of them the stampede, to come in. Oh, amazing. Love but to get them to come in here and, and vice versa, I, I do think that is part of the operating model there. And that's just kind of an aside. Josh, right. you yeah, Joshua would tear us apart. I'll be contrary, just, but I, I hate it. I, I don't think we should be using MLS resources to build up a two-team. I think if Philly has shown that, that their academy players are ready to step in MLS roles, who, who needs the USL? You can loan to any USL team. You don't have to own your own. You, you don't have to build up your own. You, you can just you know, send them to, to Birmingham Legion, like uh, the Shields played for, for three games. Uh, I don't know. I, I, all the I Loudon fans are going to hate me for this, but I, I think they should should be on their own. They should be able to figure their I, stuff out for themselves. And I, I don't care about crossover and fan bases. Make DC United good, and we'll have fans. I think it's more 
than the on the field product though what's that? I, I think uh, for what for philly or for dc for dc i think owning loudon like we just said like being able to have that crossover and that buy-in and like you're potentially bringing in more revenue you're also potentially bringing in like the youth kids of that area right and like getting them super interested like I, th- I think there are more layers to it than just saying like can this guy make the jump from usl to mls or can he make the jump from the academy to mls versus the academy to usl to mls like i think it's more than just that on the field thing uh, and, and before we get too far gone here i i think we do just kind of need to point out like dc united are very invested in loudon at this point yeah and so i i don't think there's a good way out if they even wanted it i mean they're committed to loudon county for segra field um one of the kind of easter eggs that casper mentioned yesterday is that the training facilities hopefully back on track to open this summer out there which is right around the corner from segra field and so joshua i i agree with with your perspective on this as well i just don't think that these united's on the same page as you on that I, I think they're very committed to usl and now they're making decisions because they are and we asked jason about this I, right the rfk refugees our friends over there they sent us this question about like yeah are we spending too much money at loudon right and like he disagreed with that go ahead Bobby. were you gonna say something michael no i i think you know there's value to both perspectives i think I'm not prepared to jettison Loudon and say that they're, you know, we're still way too early in that experiment. And I think we've been looking for evidence of them investing in the talent pipeline for so long and to actually have that there. I'm not prepared to entirely write it off. I think it can play an important role, but I am sensitive to the idea that we're not drafting players or spending MLS resources just to have guys we can stash in Loudon and hope they can get good in a couple of years. Again, like we said, these are guys who are not old, but are very much closer to the final product that you're going to get. Um, so yeah, I, I'm torn on it. I, again, if if the if they pan out, it, it pans out. It's great. Looking back at some of our past draft picks, I mean, you've got guys like Perry Kitchen, Nick DeLeon, Taylor Kemp, Stephen Birnbaum, all guys who you know, played major roles in this team. You've also got guys like Miguel Aguilar, Julian Boucher, Akeem Ward, uh, guys who never really saw the field for the first team. They were and lower in the draft. Those are guys who, who were drafted more recently. So it's kind of a mix. I think you're seeing a league-wide change in how the draft is used and how it's applied. Uh, I think I'd mostly just like to see DC United be consistent moving forward and how they value the draft. If they think that the draft is how they can get talent, then this draft is great. And if they don't, then I have no idea why they drafted the way they did. My ultimate goal for DC United's USL presence is for the academy to be turning out so many players and and to be so broad reaching in the dmv that we get the partnership with richmond back in league one and so we got affiliates in league one and the championship in the in the two i think it, i think there's an opportunity there but yeah point well taken and i, and I agree with you guys that you know if, if you're going to the the draft especially with the fourth overall pick with the only mindset being you're going to put this guy out that raises some questions i'm not 100 percent convinced that that's what they did but we'll see. There's a lot of forwards available. Um, I don't know how good most of them are on this DC United roster, but apparently we want to. We might be wanting to start too, so that opens up another opportunity for for Kamarni as well. And we don't want to leave the draft segment without mentioning. Um, we 
did um, choose Logan Panshot, a midfielder out of Stanford, with the with the other pick we acquired from from the Atlanta. A midfielder, trade. yep. Um, wow. Yeah, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. Midfielder, right well, back. And we also hybrid. got a. Go ahead. Yeah, we also got a goalkeeper by trading with Columbus. So basically a draft pick, and then Columbus didn't even take the pick, so Damn. we can tell how they rate the draft. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the second and third round guys tend to, to struggle to make rosters. Do we have four keepers now? Hopefully, he no, we jettisoned uh, two, I think. Edwards is further up the coast now, right? Yeah, yeah, and then we re-signed. yeah, but didn't we sign a keeper earlier? Uh, last year we drafted a keeper. He's currently with Loudon, I think. Le- yeah, Lisson. I'm having deja vu. Didn't we get a keeper from Columbus like that, weeks that, ago? Yes, that, that, that's what the draft pick. It was yeah. for the third round pick. Oh, okay. He's okay. gonna fill Same the, dude. the Edwards Same dude gene. Then. Yep. Okay. Yep. Thank you. My bad. Uh, but yeah, Panchot. We uh, all clearly, yeah, really <laughs> invested in this. Yeah. Panchot uh, started for Stanford back in 2017. He's not. Uh, he's on the older end. Uh, what Black is talking about. The, the generation Adidas players are normally like sophomores, freshmen, uh, and then everyone else is like you know leaving college. Uh, Fanshot started way back in 2017 for Stanford when they won uh, the college championship. He played right back at that point since he's moved a little bit more to the midfield. That's why you got that designation in the draft. Uh, kind of like that Tyler Adams hybrid that we've seen start to pop up more in modern soccer. Uh, could be an asset to, to the first team, I think. Uh, Wing backs, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. We need depth, so... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think there's still hope that we make a couple moves, uh, but, but one of the things we got to talk about is when is this season going to start, and guys, it's not looking great. Yeah. Um, we, we did finally yesterday see that there was, you know, SINAC communication, <laughs> as us IT nerds would say, uh, where the, the league finally responded to a player's counterproposal. Uh, it, for the last few weeks, it's been crazy, and it's been very different than previous uh, MLS labor negotiations where like Don Garber called a press conference out of nowhere and just started talking about the fact that they, the league said, here's what we want to do. Haven't heard anything from the players. Hope we can get this move in. There's a hard deadline. And, and it seemed like the players were all very caught off guard um, after, of course, the league invoked the uh, force majeure. Force majeure. Did yep. I yep. pronounce that right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the head nod. Great um, So basically, the bottom line here is, you know, back at the negotiation table for the third time in three years, the players don't want to be there. Um, the the initial offer from the league was basically just extending the the deal for yet another year. But that that kind of when you look at and there's there's great coverage in the Athletic as always about Beautiful. this. But when you look at kind of the salary chart, it, it really draws out the the low wages even longer for for some of the bottom of the league and, and top of the league on non-TAM deal contracts. And and to me, the biggest issue, if I'm a player in this, is now if the if it goes out through 2027 now, you not only miss the opportunity to renegotiate based on the media deal, but the league thinks that they're going to get a ton of money in in 2024, I believe is when that expires, but you also miss the World Cup year, which is in 2026 when the U.S., Mexico, and Canada uh, all host World Cup 2026. So that's kind of where we're at right now, but it was interesting yesterday to see that the, the players did come back with a, with a counter offer and, and the league is, is reviewing it. So guys, where do you, where do we all stand on sort of the labor negotiations and when do we think we might start this 2021 season? 
Oh man, deep questions. Uh, it's all about some very personal values and, and, and mixed into this too. But I, I, I when it first came out and and the, and the like you said, John, the MLS has been very vocal about this and, and some a little bit of back history. The CBA, uh-huh. which which wasn't even three years ago, it was before this season in the summer uh, before this past season started. They negotiated a CBA that was beautiful. It looked like both yeah. sides were were going to get some some good stuff out of it. Player salaries was going to increase. Spending in the league was going to increase. Applaud it for everyone. Uh, and the, and they, they everyone came like away happy. Model. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry, everyone came away happy too. Like yeah. that was really yeah. the feel, even from like the journalists who are saying like everyone won and the entire league is moving forward now because of it so it, it felt really good afterwards yeah and, it was so different from how yeah. the other big leagues in the u.s do these negotiations where it seems like it's always ugly it just it just wasn't which how mls has been in the past yeah. too yeah it, it was very quiet very and then we got the cba and it turned out everyone won a little bit uh and then pandemic strikes they do another CBA for, for the MLS back, and it was reasonable. A little bit of a pay cut to the players, uh, but we're going to postpone the increased spending, uh, which made sense because we didn't know how long we were going to be in this. Uh, the owners still here. Despite you know some reports that they're gaining money, definitely lost money in MLS. Uh, it made sense. But this, this third one, it just kind of seems like MLS owners are trying to take advantage of the pandemic in a way to kind of shift that spending even more. Which I, I understand they're still losing money, but I don't know, man. I, it seems it seems a little heavy-handed for me. Go ahead, Black. Yeah, I, I expect that we're going to end up starting roughly on time. I don't think that we're going to get delayed because of labor unrest. I, I think at the end of the day, the players want to play. Players get paid for playing. You know, we're going to find a way to get together. And that's been the story with the last couple of CBAs is they've been negotiating up until the last moment. And we've seen CBAs signed on a Thursday when the season starts on a Saturday. Yeah. Including so this one. Not really... It wasn't ratified. It was like agreed to, but not ratified, yeah. which is part of yeah. what the issue and, was. And part of that, you know, it was reflective of, you know, relations being a little bit better. But also what you've seen in those recent CBAs is a league that's growing, a league that's prospering, you know, I think I take that with a grain of salt some of the management claims that they've you know, lost billions of dollars. And you know, I have no doubt that there's a lot of financial hurt going on for the owners, but we don't really have a good idea of what that is or how that breaks down. But I think it is a, a different situation for them negotiating it now than it was two or three years ago when you're going through rounds and rounds of expansion. There's ever increasing uh, new franchise fees. It's a different kind of vibe, but I still would be very surprised if either side found it to their advantage not to actually gather and get the season going. So whether that's you know, the first week in March like we're used to, but maybe not, but it should be relatively close to that time. I don't think we're going to push it out. Like Remember a couple of years ago, the NFL was threatening a lockout, and they managed to stay locked out from the day the season ended until a week before preseason games yeah. to start. You know, there's a lot of drama, but there's also a lot of yeah. upside to getting things together and it happen. The one, the one potential curveball this year is, I, I, I think I could make it a fairly effective argument that it would be good for both sides if they drag their feet for a month or two. Yeah, 
and they didn't start the season until like maybe late April, early May, but they still got in the full season because we obviously still have COVID-19, you know, I want to say infecting all of us, but that's not the right term, but (laughs) affecting all of us. Um, (laughs) Hopefully not infecting. But if you, hopefully not. (laughs) But as you know, if if you buy a couple months, right, we have vaccines, we have vaccines being rolled out. We're, we're, We're on a path to get, back to somewhat of normality and and i there's there's a way that i think if you if you don't start the first week of march and you start the first week of may say you could probably get more games across the league with some level of attendance if not by the end of the season maybe even full attendance you know depending on where we're at this fall right and so i think that's maybe the only the one slight difference to other non-pandemic years where you really want to start on time it could be to both parties benefits to start a little bit later but the players don't want to wait too long because they've only got a window in their career where they can play right yeah. so there, there's that component john i completely agree i was gonna say the same thing black i was surprised to hear you say you thought we were gonna start on time because yeah i think it makes more sense to push back a little bit and i think that's what's different again john like you said about the cba is that there's not like a hard and fast deadline to get this stuff figured out like they can kind of drag their feet a little bit. The league would like to tell well, you there is. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we start on time. If you're saying that the starting of time is a team time that both sides agree on. If yeah. the both sides say, hey, you know, if okay. we give yeah, another month fair. and vaccine rollout gets bigger, I don't think that we, the owners say, hey, we want to start March, you know, 7th or whatever. And the players say, no, we're not going to show up. I, I don't see that scenario. You're yeah. basically saying no strike or lockout. Like it'll be a, it'll be a mutually agreed upon start time. Okay, uh, that yeah. makes sense. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with Black. I, I think it'll start when they want it. That n- neither side has ever stepped back, and they have so much to gain. I, I don't think the losses, like John said, I think they're a little bit inflated. I think they'll want that ESPN money as soon as possible. Uh, I, I I would wager that they start on time, um, but if not, like you guys said, uh, at a, a agreed upon setback date. The only other thing I'll add is I love how public it's getting. It just is hilarious to me that Don Garber put out that statement. There's a letter to the fans and where then he talks he, about the Exactly. CBA. When he like literally <laughs> directly talked to the CBA and then he like, didn't he, he opened something with it too, right? At the press conference, like it was in the draft a little bit too, wasn't it? And then like the, the um, Players Association Twitter retweeted it and was like, at us next time. And I was like. Yes, I'm here for it. I feel like I'm watching reality TV, and it's hilarious to me. Gosh, no. I think I told you guys in the group chat the other day. That's that's just how I love my my soccer off field drama. Yeah. Yes, uh, I watch sports, so I don't watch of... reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> nope, so funny. Speaking of it. start dates and sweet ESPN money, the USL has announced their season format, uh, which begins around May first. We say around because they actually announced a flexible start date, which was <laughs> kind of wild to announce. Shocking. Um, but it, it really is that model we were just talking about. Like it, it, it allows the players and the, and the owners to agree. Like, hey, we think we think now would be a good time to start the season. But but there's bounds on it. It will start by I think a certain date in May yeah. or whatnot. Um, and they are expecting to get 32 games in over 27 weeks through the end of October. The one question that I had, just kind of doing some quick math, there is. Did they leave enough space for the Open Cup, potentially? <laughs> Can we bring it back? Oh, that's a good question. It's a tough one, and, and I think that's that's why I'm wagering for the original start date, because there's there's still three 
international tournaments this year for the United States. There's the U.S. Open Cup should resume as soon as possible. So if you push it back and you're still playing a full MLS schedule, but it's condensed, you're you're gonna have like what four game weeks? That's that's insane. Um, or you're just gonna have a lot of guys missing three game weeks because they're on international duty. So. Yeah, I, cool of the USL to have that window. I like it. I I like where the USL is going in general, and, and I don't know. Hopefully, you have soccer. That's just all I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah I'm never going to complain about having too many games to watch. But, um, <laughs> I understand that it does wear on the, the players after a while. So, yeah. It's going to be like the festive period in England all summer long <laughs> is, is what this is kind of lining up to be. Oh, I hate when these transitions set themselves up. Speaking of England, or I guess Wales in this case, <laughs> Paul Ariola might potentially be going no. on loan nope. to Swansea. No. And guys, I'm no. I'm personally devastated. I think it's great for Paul, no. but I'm very concerned that Swansea are going to get promoted and, and there's a chance that, that it becomes a – a long-term deal, which would be great for Paul. It would be great for the men's national team. But, but we finally have a system that will work to Paul's advantage, right? He signed this three-year deal. He loves DC United, and we finally have this area where he can exceed, like, or succeed and excel. Just merge those two words, nope. but he can just do so well. And I don't. I mean, whatever. Masterclass yeah. from Levian. Masterclass from Levian. Resigns his injured DP uh, to a long-term deal, and then gets the rest of his board at Swansea to pay a transfer fee for him. You love to the, see it. The best part is he comes on our show and gets us all excited about this pipeline to Wales, and then he sends our favorite players to Wales on this pipeline. I don't know what you guys got out of that except for this. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Paul deserves it. I think he'll crush it. I would love to see a Swansea in the Premier League uh, with Jordan Morris on the left wing and Paul Ariel on the right wing. I think it's only good for U.S. soccer. I, I just think want to see DC Paul United DC United will find another winger or DP to find. No. We'll be okay. I want Paul's Paul here. in this system. Paul, Paul Paul had plenty of, you know, time. I'm not going to say off cuz it was, you know, obviously working hard and re- recovering from the ACL. He had plenty of time off. He can play year round. You know, we'll have play, <laughs> you know, the English schedule in the winter and then he'll come over and play MLS games, you know, somehow they'll loan back and forth. That's a pipeline I could get. Don't know how <laughs> He's going to be exhausted, but, uh, you know, I'm here for it. He'll have the flights. Sleep on the plane, like, exactly. I think – here's the thing. It, ah, man, it, I'm all in favor of the, like, loan for the back half of the of the English season here, or the UK season, I guess, since we're talking about a Walsh team, because Paul could use game time right now. I mean, coming off of an injury – he had some time with the men's national team. I, I think it would be great. And and potentially with the CBA drama, whether it's the CBA itself that drags into a late start like we talked about, or they just choose to start late, it would be great to get him minutes. Yeah. Um, I would just caution you guys that Swansea are very capable, and Levian shut the show off for a second, but they're very capable of bottling this promotion and, and <laughs> spending another year in the championship. And if that happens... Paul Ariola should absolutely come home. I don't know that that the championship is that much of a step up from from MLS, and and I think he's got a lot more to do here at DC United. Um, but yeah, if, if he goes over on loan and they get promoted and they want to keep him, I, I don't know who. Why would anybody want to stand in his way? Uh, no, it's, it's beautiful. And Sounders fans, I was reading their reaction to the Jordan Morris, who who did we mention already has, has yeah. completed the loan to buy for uh, Swansea. 
a couple things could happen. He could go over there and crush it and help Swansea get promoted, and then he gets signed by a team that's now flush with cash. Uh, DC United get a big transfer fee out of a player who's now happy playing at a higher league. Uh, he could go over there and stink, and then he just comes back to BC, and he's still great here. He's still Paul Ariola. He's great. The third thing could he happen. Could be here for, and he could be here for a long term. Yeah. If he stinks it up over there, and, and he's <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going back to Europe. It's terrible. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, the third thing is he could get there and, and just not like being a, a role player there. He could do the Landon Donovan, Sam's favorite player, and, and just go have some success and, and then realize that he, he likes being in D.C. This is where he's kind of made a home. Uh, all, all things are possible, and I, I think all things could happen. I'm excited for him. I also just think, like, it's very interesting. I was listening to the Total Soccer Show, and they were talking about, like, how – Swansea were pissed. Like their fans were pissed when Jason came in as owner. So that I think is like another layer to this that if like their fans were pissed and from what TSS was saying, it sounds like they're like vaguely coming on board now because like Jason has really been like doing right by the team. So I think that that also kind of like rides or die, not rides or dies, but like that is another layer of how well Paul does. Um, which I think impacts like whether or not he likes it there and wants to stay there and comes back, right? Like the Jordan Morris move, you know, the guy who's in the national team conversation, you know, I think if I were looking at it as a Swansea fan, which I am not, and said, <laughs> oh, yeah, our owner just grabbed the best player from another team he owns and brought him in, I would have some questions, but I think Paul's pedigree and, you know, being a guy who should be starting for the national team overcomes a lot of that. Um, I think if he if he plays well, which I think we all want him to, we should absolutely make it as easy as possible for him to go. You know, players come and go. It, it's it's a shame, but it, it is what it is. Uh, and you never want to end up in a situation where you've got guys who you're holding back from what they could have achieved. We've seen too many examples of that. Uh, and I think it's it's something that has no, nothing but upside for everybody. And maybe he goes, they go up and he decides, Hey, I want to come back to the DC United. That's, that's also perfectly within the realm of possibility. Yeah. I'll, I'll say Sam, I vividly remember uh, Swansea fans being white hot when Audi field opened and yeah. just flooding mentions on Twitter of like, you built this American soccer club, a new stadium, and we can't even buy a player or whatever, yeah. you know? And, and I, I think you're right. I think the, their fans are starting to come along and, yeah, I mean, I it's no secret to folks on this show how much I like Paul Ariola, but you're right. I mean, this this is the right move by him potentially, and and there's a lot to be said about you know doing right by players. Um, I'll be interested to see if there's a place for him regularly in the team today at Swansea potentially, and and what that looks like if they you know do get promoted to the Premier League next year, and, and there's more money coming in. Is he still in favor there or or whatnot? But yeah. I, it just sucks when your favorite players are potentially leaving, but <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> yeah. Moment I don't silence. know. <laughs> yeah, moment the of silence, sadness, really. Uh, yeah, Steve Birnbaum had surgery on his ankle, and he's out for potentially 10 weeks. Uh, Bill Hamid had surgery on his sports hernia, and he's out for six to eight weeks, which falls right in line with us delaying the start of the season for just a little bit to get those guys back, hopefully. Um and Mezzodoza will not be coming to DC United as he signed Shocking. a deal with Benarmaje in Turkey. Wow. Uh, so, 
Sorry, Joshua. I know you're looking forward to, to him coming. But, but he we could might be still here get his coffee. I, I, coffee shop. No, the coffee shop's open. I, I rode past it on my bike the other day. It's, no it's way. Like, it's open? It's, what? what is it, 30-something or 20-something steps coffee? Yeah, yeah. They got signs up and everything. It, it's it's interesting. Um, oh, man. I, I thought Ozil could work. His fee is <laughs> – gosh, his salary is probably more <laughs> than the entire D.C. United salary, honestly. Uh, and so I thought it could have worked. Probably a smarter bet to not not go all in on Mesut Ozil. And I think isn't that like the the club that he like came up with? So I don't know. It, it's okay. We'll find another DP after we sell Paul. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, John's crying. <laughs> Who else is gonna close out the show? <laughs> oh man. Last thing on our list, guys, the the CONCACAF Champions League schedule, which directly does not affect DC United, has been announced. Uh, it runs from April to October, which is probably a more ideal schedule, maybe the most ideal schedule for MLS teams in, in the competition, where it used to be ridiculous for MLS teams yeah. that the knockout stages were during preseason. Yep. Um, this is definitely better for, for MLS teams. That competition, though, man, it's. I, I feel like I, I'm so excited about the prospect of being in Conca Champs for like a couple weeks, and then I realize we're not going to qualify. And then you watch <laughs> it when it's on TV, and it's just as awesomely bad as I remember. <laughs> and I just, I miss it so much. It's, it's yeah. totally absurd, and the refereeing is god awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss the CCL play-in games. You know, now the, the format's you know a 16 team knockout, and you've got some teams played in, but. We used to, you know, back in, you know, what, 2014, 2013, when we uh, won the Open Cup and then finished first in the league somehow. Uh, finished you, last you in play the league. The, the groups, and then first. Yeah, the group stage games. Uh, you play the group stage games and have those going through August. Wednesday night specials usually raining, you know, maybe a couple people in the stands if you're lucky. We went on you know, too. A lot of fond memories of it. I'd love to see DC United back in the conversation and the away leg was in like jamaica on a wednesday and then you played like in vancouver on friday night or something <laughs> it's absurd I, I look mls has come so close to winning it like four times and i'm not I, I listen to extra time and these other guys get so hype about ccl and it will be a big moment when the league you know finally wins it and and, and they're getting to the point where we're, we're competitive enough with liga and Meke to, to have it done we were so close this year uh, so close two years ago i think It'll be great, and it's a good sign because DC United. If we keep keep on this trajectory of or that we think we're going to be on of winning, we could we could have another continental trophy for DC. It would be yeah. it would be great. I mean, well, there's four ways to get there. You've got to win the Supporter Shield, you got to win MLS Cup, you got to win US Open Cup, or you've got to win your division, and that that varies a couple of times, but. All of those things are great things I'd love to see DC United do. Yeah. Also, once every 25 years, you can win this bootleg tournament that they establish at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there's there's calls for that to be once a, a regular fixture. Years. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. <laughs> calls for MLS back to, to be a regular fixture, which I I don't know if I'm against. Instead of these like regular like weird preseason things where teams just go to like beaches and and kind of halfway play soccer. I'd be up for a Disney, I mean, Disney World trip. I mind as, as a preseason pre thing. I do not want the season no, to no, stop off. at the end of June, say, oh, we're going to play this random tournament <laughs> in July, and then we're going to yeah. get back to it. And I know the players never want to spend a month in freaking Orlando yeah. in, in July. <laughs> like, they might want to do it in February. Yeah, but... yeah. 
Although, to uh, our credit, we didn't have to spend a month there. So, going full circle, yeah, we, maybe we this is quick. this is Lasada's big brain plan. Peter Moreno got out in the first half. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> this is Lasada's big brain plan. He's he's coming to DC. He's going to win the Open Cup. Take us through Concacaf, and then he plays in the Club World Cup against you know the biggest clubs in the world. There That's how he does it. That's there the path. <laughs> Calling it now. I want you to be the first it. MLS rep at the Club World Cup. That would be. Awesome. We'd immediately draw Real Madrid away and then <laughs> just get bounced, but I would be Fun there. Fun trip for us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I let's talk about that road trip. <laughs> I don't think that's a road trip at that point. I think it's a, an, an air trip at best. It's a vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Although it's always it's almost always guaranteed to be in some undesirable location. Like they put it randomly throughout the world i wish it was like an actual way day we'll make it fun maybe that's the future of it we'll make it fun listen at that point we can all be together again everyone travel with us we'll do this bomb <laughs> live show in another country <laughs> it'll be so great tried and true international let's go. exactly oh man well we've come to the end of the show but a couple things i want to mention um the Try, uh, the the auction for DC scores, I believe, is officially closed yeah. now. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So thank you, you guys. You can still for... donate, though. Yeah, th- yeah, you can absolutely still donate. You can always donate. donate. Yeah, thanks for everyone and for participating you, uh... in that. I stole a couple jerseys from me, but I got I got one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua tried to buy all of the things. Literally. Uh, but we appreciated that. It was, it was a fun time and hopefully something we can, we can do again down the road. Maybe not virtually next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have to shout out our friends at Across the Pond. They weathered the storm through the uh, the recent indoor dining ban. I think they're back open for, for indoor dining as well as outdoor and the parklet and all of those things. And they've still got a ton of beer they're trying to kick, as I saw in their email. So um, hit them up if you're looking for – I mean, this is the time of year for a nice Irish-English dinner, right? Yes. The, so fantastic good. food there. Um, and Great I, I assume options. our promo code still works. You can try it. Yeah. Just... The promo code podcast. They'll probably yeah. give it to you. <laughs> yeah, or, or just say we sent you, and, and you might, you know, maybe you get a beer. <laughs> what do we miss, guys? <sighs> miss soccer. <laughs> miss miss being in the stands. Oh, we're talking about it in the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was the heartbreaking thing. Yeah, Joshua dropped. He made us watch the Columbus playoff game, which was heartbreaking. I'm unclear why he did that. He started with the Orlando game, and I was like, this is great. Let's relive a magical moment. And then, like, the audio got messed up. And he's like, okay, we're going to watch the Columbus one. I was like, I actively cried in the stadium for this. Like, why are you trying to make me do that again? Look, it's just a peek into what, what audio feels going to be like under the Yeah, but that's what it was. Like, it, I was like, oh, I miss live sports. Mm-hmm. Like, it was painful to watch almost. I miss being in the stadium. The Columbus game was great until the shootout. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. Skip that part. Wayne and Lucho, my goodness. <laughs> and then Patrick Mullins threw a hissy fit. Like, all the DC Unitedness. All right, but yeah, I don't think we missed anything. You're right. I miss live sports. That's that's it. Next time, next time we're talking, it might be about a Paul Ariola transfer or Stop maybe it. some incoming a transfers, guys. Uh, I'm super excited for the rest of this off season. Uh, miss hanging out with you guys in person. I know. All Everyone, of you. wear your mask. <laughs> be be smart. Yeah, be safe. Wash thing. your hands. Social distance. Just be socially distant. <laughs> Do we still have Bobby Wine? Can we can we at least end the show with Bobby Wine? No. I was gonna get I control the board now. <laughs> Brutal. Well, for Michael, Joshua, and Sam, I'm John. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Saturday, or if you didn't listen live later in the week, went on your time. Uh, but this is tried and true. The DC United 
Post Game Podcast. Bye.